Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. In tonight's episode, we will be talking about a full spectrum of craft beer when it comes to cans. Everything from new craft beer can releases to aluminum can tariffs, as well as beer can chicken that may switch into robot beer. It's kind of a weird segue. And dogs and beer. And we still have time with all that to talk about how much of a very sensitive douchebag Larry Bell still is in the craft beer industry in the inaugural episode number one of Alpha Acid Radio. Well, hello, folks. This is the inaugural episode of Alpha Acid Radio, episode number one, and I am your host, Mr. Liquid Bread. We will be talking about a lot of things tonight. It's kind of a kind of a thin, sketchy craft beer week, but uh, I'll try to entertain you nonetheless. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here with me on the very uh, inaugural episode of this, sitting in the driver's seat, sitting in the passenger seat, if you will. As you're driving down the road to work, hopefully in the morning, or if you're listening to this tonight, I hope you hope you crack open a beer and uh, and listen to this podcast. And let's just dive right into it. Uh, so the first thing I've, I alluded to was the fact we know that craft beer, the craft beer industry, and the macro beer industry, beer industry in general, has a uh, very well pronounced love with cans. We started with cans. We started with bottles, obviously, uh, back in the you know, post-prohibition era. And we've always kind of associated cans. They've got a bad stigma in terms of being crap beer. I remember going to one of my first uh, beer fests in Kennett Square in Pennsylvania back in the, gosh, that had to be about 2000, 2001. And I saw Oscar Blues. Never heard of Oscar Blues out of uh, Colorado. Saw they were in cans and thought, man, that's, that's they, they must be a crappy brewery because they're in cans. I was naive. I didn't know any better. But we all know that the, that being in a can is a very great vessel, probably the best vessel outside of maybe a growler or a keg, obviously, for beer. Uh, ultraviolet light can affect the hops oils that are in a beer and degrade those, accelerate the de- degradation of those oils over time quicker than it would be you know, if the light was not hitting it, regardless if the beer is in a bottle, whether it's brown or green or clear, obviously those three all kind of filter sunlight, but all of them allow some kind of degree of sunlight into the beer and can degrade those hop oils. So a beer can fade quicker in a bottle if it's a hop forward beer, specifically even more so than it would be in a can, keg, uh, metal growler. Uh, crawler, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to throw it in. So cans are the best vessel, even though they may have a bad stigma over the years, back from the 70s when all the macro beers were in, for, for the most part, were in cans. But cans are a great vessel, great, great vessel. That's why a lot of craft breweries are moving over to cans because they are a great vessel to put their, their product in. It it keeps the beer fresher. It it, it keeps that hop degradation to a minimum, it's. I think it still fades a little bit, but obviously not due to ultraviolet light. And uh, a lot of brewers are turning to that. Oscar Blues, obviously, that I talked about previously, is is one of those first breweries that went full in. They dove into the deep end, didn't test the waters at all, and just said, hell with this, we're going to go right in the deep end with cans, and have always been cans 
basically have married cans since day one, and a lot of breweries are following suit with that. So this is kind of like um, several several stories here are going to be revolving around the whole uh, can beer industry. The first one is just um, is basically how the tariffs, aluminum tariffs that our great great blowhard president is putting on foreign aluminum importers of aluminum. And we have to import a lot of that aluminum. We don't make a lot of it here in the United States. And because he's increased those tariffs uh, that for the aluminum coming in, there's been about a 6 to 10% increase on the amount of costs of aluminum as it's coming in as a can to a brewery. So that can reflect into your beer. You know, a normal beer that's 6 bucks might cost, you know, almost $6.40 now with the uh, increase in tariffs. And I'm not a business guy, so maybe it's, the math, my math is wrong, but bottom line is you're going to see an increase in those beer prices because that are in specifically in aluminum cans. Now, with that being said, the first thing I think of is, you know, a lot of breweries are moving to cans with these tariffs and the increase in prices of aluminum. Are we going to see then a, a reversal and breweries starting to move back towards glass or another medium, maybe tin? You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why they can't make beer cans out of tin with the same kind of coating on the inside to, to prevent like, after, you know, the weird after, you know, the keystone used to, used to market that they have a coating on the inside of the cans. I believe all can, uh, beer can manufacturers do that now. So there's not an aftertaste. One thing I do want to say is a little, get, I'll get off in the weeds a little bit here is don't ever drink your craft beer out of a can. You wouldn't drink your beer out of a keg. Would you directly from the, put your lips right on the edge of a keg and sip it out of a keg? Would you? So why would you do it out of a can? You don't want to do that. Pour it, in, pour it into some kind of container, whether it's a it's a solo cup or it's a snifter or anything in between. You know, just do that. You're going to get a much better experience, better taste, better aroma, and uh, enjoy the beer a lot more. So just like you wouldn't eat your steak with plastic silverware, you know, don't, you know, don't don't drink your beer out of it, out of the can. So... With that being said, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see a turnaround of uh, uh, craft breweries moving to a different vessel. That's inter- it's an interesting concept. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe maybe not tin. Maybe some other kind of inexpensive material that's not being uh, imported as much as aluminum is. Uh, maybe they'll come up with some, maybe somebody will get smart. Some smart guy out there will come up with an invention with glass that darkens it even more, like black glass maybe or something. That filters ultraviolet light more, and yet we can produce it here in the United States and not have to worry about the tariffs. I don't know, but we should. We may see some kind of, of you know, flip around on this. You know, the can, can beer industry is really taking a big boom and uh, is really blown up in a lot of breweries. A lot of breweries that have natively been all glass bottles have uh, moved over to a mixture of bottles and cans. Some have gone full in, gone f- full. I don't want to say it. I want to go. I don't want to go uh, tropic thunder on this, but. You went full retard, man. Never go full retard. You don't buy that? Ask Sean Penn, 2001, I am Sam. Remember? Went full retard. Went home empty-handed. They've gone full can. You know, and sometimes you don't want to go full can. You never go full can. But in this case, maybe they went full can. With that being said, uh, White Rascal, Belgian-style white ale from Avery, is going to be released in cans. That's an ale with uh, Caraco, orange peel, and coriander. If you've never had it, pretty solid beer, more of a summer beer, in my opinion. 
but it's still a great beer, and that will be released soon by Avery, along with Right Rascal from Avery. They'll also be releasing Avery Lager and Avery IPA, as well as Avery Barrel Aged, which I don't know what uh, Barrel Aged is. All these will be in pint cans, and they should be in available in early 2019. And they're trying to trying to market on the on the stadium series, you know, baseball stadiums and stuff. So keep an eye out for that, specifically in the Colorado market where Avery is located. And yeah, another beer can check mark on the old brewery marketplace. So enough about the old tariffs and all that. So let's get back into some more funny stuff. So I won't touch on this too long, but. What's kind of weird is Arby's is testing two new beer can chicken sandwiches made with Miller High Life. So I know Arby's is pushing the whole, we have meat, uh, marketing slogan, but, you know, it's, now they're really, I'm, how are they cooking, how are they cooking beer can chicken with Miller High Life on a mass scale that can fit all of their stores across the United States? I don't know how many stores they got, but it's one of those things where it's a marketing thing. But do you really think the process is what we natively think with a chicken on a grill with a beer can up its crotch boiling and and, and steaming the inside of the chicken with Miller High Life? Ah, I don't think that's happening. It's some kind of big processing plant BS where Miller High Life is sprayed from like some kind of uh, misting nozzles coming out of an assembly line and it's hit with some kind of like mass heated gas that flash cooks the chicken, you know, <laughs> and they're calling it beer can chicken with Miller High Life. But Miller High Life, I'm not a real big fan, so I really don't care, but it's uh, it's going to be these uh, latest test sandwiches are currently available in Minneapolis, Augusta, Georgia. And Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you're in those markets, check it out. And, uh, you know, I will throw my uh, my information up here right now. But it, at the end, I'll also say it. I'll throw it up. So if you want to give me a shout out, let me know how, how, how you think of the, what these Arby's beer can chicken sandwiches Miller High Life taste like. Uh, you can either tweet me at Mr. Liquid Bread or you can uh, send me an email at beer at MrLiquidBread.com. And a lot of you have been familiar with the old robot chicken TV series on Cartoon Network. Well, I'm going to go from beer can chicken to robot beer. So apparently Stellar Artois has this new plastic apparatus that you can buy from them called BART, which stands for Bartending Automated Robotic Technology. And basically, it, all it is is a serving tray that you mount to the top of your Roomba with Velcro attachments. And it the Roomba, when it drives around your room, is allow, it has a s- area for you to serve up to, I think, four beers or maybe eight beers around the edge on a pedestal table with a nut bowl in the middle. It's the most craziest, stupid thing I've ever seen in my life. And I say stupid, I will get to that in a second, but I understand what they're trying to do. They have a video out on YouTube, too. You can probably look it up. Look up uh, Stella Artois Bart, B-A-R-T. But anyways, all it is is a uh, acrylic, plastic acrylic pedestal table that, that mounts to the top of the Roomba with some v- adhesive Velcro tabs that you stick to the top of the Roomba. And then you can put four bottles in, and in between the four bottles, put four Stella glasses, stemware. 
what you call those. They're not tulips. I don't know what kind of glass where the, the Stella Artois glasses are. I, I, that, that name of that glass where escapes me, but the middle has a bowl of nuts. And the concept is it will drive around your party and not only serve you beer and nuts, but also clean up any garbage that people have dropped on the floor during your party. It's great in concept, but if you've ever seen a Roomba, it's random. And what happens when it tries to go under a table that the Roomba can fit underneath, but the two and a half, three foot table is going to clock and knock the shit over. <laughs> I don't understand this at all. It's the most stupidest ass thing I've ever seen in my life. And what happens when it randomly gets real close to you and you're getting ready to grab a beer and all of a sudden it goes eh, and it backs up and moves away from you and goes across the room and it, you've got to chase after it to get your beer or to grab a, a, you know some kind of crap nut out of the middle nut bowl. This is this. It's like, it's like having a drunk server that's two inches tall, but I don't even know how to describe that. It's it's two inches tall. It's it's three foot tall, but thinks it's two inches tall and can fit under tables and underneath other chairs. Yet it's going to run into them. And, just, you know, I have a my buddy has a pool table. The Roomba would slide right underneath that and sweep underneath the pool table. But that damn that damn acrylic Stella Artois Bart isn't going to not fit underneath the bar table or the pool table. It's going to hit that thing and fall over and you're going to have beer all over the fucking place. Excuse my F-bomb, but this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. But check it out. It's kind of funny. It's called the Stella Artois Bart. So I'm going to calm down. Anytime there's stupidity, engineering stupidity especially, I just get annoyed. I mean, it's, come on. Think through stuff, people. Don't be inventing stupid crap like that. It's a total marketing ploy. So let's get to some canned beer releases. So these are some canned beer releases on the last week of November 2018. The first beer is McKellar is releasing is called the Foggening which is available uh, last week. It's a 9% ABV tropical fruity orange mango pineapple and creamy texture, medium body guava type style, New England double IPA with lactose. That's a new one. I've, you know, I'm, I'm digging the whole New England style IPAs, especially when it's a double IPA. Throw a little lactose in it. That's a little weird. I don't know how that would taste. A little sweet. Uh, so McKellar will be releasing that. Again, that's called the Foggening, and it's a 9% ABV beer. Sidechain will be releasing Bearded Iris, which is a IPA that has Strata, Columbus, and Citra hops, which gives way to pink grapefruit, mixed berry preserves, ripe muskmelon, and a soft but lingering dankness. Check that out if it's uh, in your area. That's about the last craft beer release I have in cans that I'm aware of. But there is also other beer releases that have come out this past week around Black Friday. Obviously, BCA bcbs came out and was released i'm hearing there they have a vanilla variant that's actually pretty epic i have not tasted it yet so you can check that off you can find some bcbs still lurking in some uh corner beer stores in your area especially in like the bigger markets sometimes you can find some bcbs lurking in some shithole party store that you wouldn't think would have bcbs so that's kind of cool uh, Virginia Beer Company is coming out with Double Evil Santa, which just came out, I guess. That was a bottle, obviously, uh, in on Black Friday. It's a spiced stout, I believe, milk stout. Uh, look, sounds uh, aged in bourbon barrels for four months. Nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice are complemented by a caramel and vanilla notes that rise from extended barrel aging. Here's the problem, though, with that beer that I'm reading right now is 
you don't get, in my opinion, it's not worth, if you're going to put a beer in bourbon barrels, you better do it for at least a minimum of 10 months if you want it to have bourbon in it. Kentucky bourbon barrel aged stout by Lexington uh, Altec Lansing and Distilling. I say Altec Lansing. It's not the speakers. Altec Brewing and Distilling out of Kentucky. Their beers aged in bourbon barrels for like a month or two, and you could tell it's garbage. This beer is eleven point three percent in ABV, so it's got the high ABV. But I don't. I you need to you need to let that beer sit in those bourbon barrels for more than four months, people. It's it's. It's not gonna. It's not gonna partake enough bourbon flavoring in in just four months. Uh, Ten months, I would think, maybe even nine months. of beer I'm drinking right now from a beer here in Michigan called uh, Griffin Claw. It's their Flying Buffalo series beer. They only aged nine months, and I was kind of skeptical about that. But that it's got enough bourbon flavor as well. So you hit that about eight, nine, ten months. You're starting to just get to the point of where it's you're going to impart some bourbon barrel flavoring from that both the oak and the bourbon the booze from that four months you're not going to get shit you know it's just stupid you're going to get more of that nutmeg cinnamon allspice crap and you might as well just you might just stack it up on the shelf next to your pumpkin beers because that's about the same what you're going to get out of that i mean pumpkin beers are pretty much the same thing only you know nutmeg allspice and pumpkin but anyways i digress Ska Brewing has crewed the Etat, E-T-A-T. Uh, they brewed this for, this will be the third year they do that. Ska is a pretty solid brewery, although I think their name of their brewery is stupid because it's a stupid genre of music that 10% of the world loved. The, re- the other 90% thought it was Ska music was stupid because it was all horns. You know, if you're going to do any kind of, if you're going to make a brewery in that genre in the early 90s, you had two choices, I guess. Ska and grunge. Just saying. Grunge Brewing Company would be pretty badass. Ska, you got a bunch of Poindexter, Buckster Poindexters on your bottles. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't help the marketing ploy at all. You got a bunch of people with ripped jeans and flannel shirts drinking beer. That, that might pull in a few extra people. It's just just my two cents. Anyways, uh, this this beer that they are uh, releasing for the third year, the Crew de Tat, I think is how you pronounce it, has a sweet rum-like flavor and weighs it in at 11.5% ABV. It's tart, complex, and it's aged in old wine fodder. In an old wine fodder, F-O-E-D-E-R. What the hell is a fodder? So it's actually pronounced fooder, and a fooder is basically an oversized barrel. It basically is it carries about 160 gallons of beer and is roughly three times the size of an average oak barrel. So they aged this beer in a wine fooder for nearly two years. Props to them, props to them. Just like, like I said with bourbon barrels, you need, to, you need to put that beer in an age. And I know it's hard on the brewery because they invest a lot of money and they don't see a return. They've got to sit on their return for X amount of months, or in this case, two years. But it's going to be worth it because that beer is going to be the bomb because it's going to have so many flavors from that barrel. Anyways, the the wine fooder ends up creating flavors of caramel and raisins with a hint of alcohol heat. Uh, This what kind of beer is this? 
This is a Belgian specialty ale is what this is, obviously, by the crew de tot. De tot. So if you can find that, you know, probably in Colorado, obviously, Skaz and Durango, you probably find it in surrounding uh, states, Iowa, those type of states, Nebraska, that type of thing. So uh, keep an eye out for it. And last but not least, since we already talked about Arby's, we might as well finish this whole segue with craft beer cans and stuff with companies that have been stupid in brewing a beer. And I did not know this. And I'll just touch on this real quick and we'll move on. But how many of you, raise your hands, even though I can't see them, how many people knew that Blockbuster brewed a beer back in September for their last, for that kind of celebrated their last black Blockbuster store? I didn't. Most of you may know that Blockbuster kind of hit the tank and there was all of them closed except for one. There's one out in Bend, Oregon. And their neighbor, 10 Barrel Brewing Company, ended up brewing a black ale appropriately named The Last Blockbuster. Kind of cool, huh? Kind of weird. But let me segue right into that. And also, Dunkin' Donuts released a coffee porter with fellow Massachusetts favorite Harpoon Brewing Company. Hmm, that's kind of interesting. What else do you have, Mr. Liquor Bread? Well, let me let me go a little bit farther. How about IHOP? IHOP came up with a beer called IHOB Debacle with IHOPs, a pumpkin pancake stout made with Keegan Ales. <laughs> and hey, hold on, folks. I got one more, and this is the, where the can comes in. The last one that came out was Noon Whistle Brewing Company unveiled their IPA Nut IPA. So I'm going to stop right there before I tell you who they partnered with. Why the hell would you make a nut IPA? If you're if you're focused in on nuts, wouldn't it make sense to make a like a brown or a nut brown ale? Anyways, they partnered up with the Nut King. You guessed it. Mr. Peanut Planners. Planners and Noon Whistle Brew Company unveiled their IPA Nut IPA. And these were all four beers were brewed within a two-month span from all four companies. Just kind of really pump up the, I guess, the hype within their company. I kind of want to taste that Nut IPA because it sounds interesting. The It looks like it comes in pint cans, and, and it's plastered with the Mr. Peanut face. So it's kind of weird. If you, see, if you saw it, you would think, oh, this isn't a beer. What is this thing? but it'd be kind of interesting to try out. So today I want to tell you folks, I learned about a new style and I guess I was uh, being a little dyslexic and not understanding the style because I've seen this style labeled on other beers recently and thought it was a Brett beer, beer brewed with Brettomyces, which is a type of yeast that gives the beer and parts a funkiness. Some people will say sourness, but it's not quite a lactose. Uh, lactobacillus type sourness it's more of a not even a tartness it's just a funk it's a really interesting uh, style I prefer it I always think that I'm getting some you know probiotics when I'm drinking a, a Brettomyces beer and I really like it but these beers I misinterpreted as being a Brett beer and they're actually called the Brett style beers or Brett IPAs and I learned about these today because I thought I was reading about some Brett IPAs, obviously. But Brett IPAs is an uh, alternative or an answer from the West Coast to the East Coast New England-style IPAs. New England-style IPAs are typically a IPA that's really juicy, a lot of um, citrus and juiciness to it, and very 
very cloudy, almost like a thick Metamucil, almost like a, a what the original Oberon looked like. Of those of you that had Bell's Oberon back in the early ninety or early to mid nineties, where it was real cloudy. The original unfiltered wheat beer was cloudy like this, and that's what kind of the New England style IPAs look like. And they're real juicy IPA, not not, not typically a hop for bitter bitterness with that. So the West Coast has decided they would come out with their own style. And I guess it's getting more popular because I'm starting to see more beers by it. And it's called Brut IPAs, B-U-R-T. And Brut IPAs apparently are ultra juicy. And they say milkshake kind of frothy heads. Uh, Brut being a type of like uh, seltzer or, or soda water. So I have yet to have one of these style of beers, but I'm not sure I'm going to like it. I don't typically, I, I typically like the New England style IPAs because they're a softer, smoother, like I said, juicier style of beer in in the IPA realm where this Brut IPA, to me, I'm interpreting as being a crisp, juicy, maybe juicy, but crisp, harsher, um, almost like a bitter cut cutting on your tongue as the carbonation of this of the crispness of this brut style hits your tongue now again i'm just uh insinuating or assuming i I should say of this style because i've yet to have a style by this but that's a new style that i've never heard of so if you see uh people talking about a brut ipa this is a west coast style that's trying to compete with the east coast new england ipas and uh, it's becoming kind of popular. Some beers that are out there right now are Wiley Roots Broadband Brut IPA out of Colorado. Uh, it's 7.2% ABV beer. Uh, pine, lemon, grapefruit type aromas type thing. Uh, Devil's Backbone out of Lexington, Virginia on the East Coast. is uh, They have a Brut IPA as well. So does Cape May Brewing Company. called. Uh, they have one called Crushing It. And they're out of Cape Mays out of New Jersey. Ska Brewing Company, who we just talked to a few minutes ago, they have one called Moral Panic Brut IPA. And those of you that didn't know, Ska's out of Durango, Colorado. Dust Bowl Brewing has Mouthful of Miracles Double Brut IPA. They're out of Turlock, California. Six Points out of Brooklyn, New York, and Memphis, Tennessee. I didn't know they had a brewery in Memphis, Tennessee. That's new to me. Uh, they have one called Six Point Brewery Sparkler. Again, I'm getting this really light-bodied, crisp IPA, and I just that's just not my style. Um, this beer, I'll just read off a description. Pale, yellow, and hazy, this broad IPA lacks the style's typically clear appearance, but makes up for it with a sample aroma and flavor. Piney and peachy with a candy nose, the citrusy pills, I'm sorry, spritzer impressed all of our tasters with its juicy IPA, IPA can flavors and light frothy body see it's got this spritzer they keep calling it spritzer and to me that's that's just like i don't know that's just not the style of beer i want and and again here's the last beer i'm going to mention five burrows brewing company has a brut ipa they're out of brooklyn new york the can has bubbles all over it i mean this is just carbonation at its finest this is just um i just don't think this is going to be my style i want to say that i do have one brut ipa in my cellar it's a caged and corked beer and uh i guess i'll find out what it's going to taste like here soon enough i bought it because for some reason i thought brut was some kind of weird 
abbreviation for Brett. And I was wrong because I'm stupid. But All right, so next on the agenda is BrewDog. BrewDog, real quick, is creating a craft beer for dogs. They're making a non-carbonated, hop-free, alcohol-free, canine-friendly, B vitamins and probiotics dog beer that's packed with citrus overtones and a familiar malt backbone. And it's it's perfect for dogs. So I think the the concept of this, uh, you know, everybody knows who brew dogs are. They're the brewery out of Scotland, Elon or Elon E L L O N Scotland. They had the famous brew dogs uh, TV show where they traveled around the United States and brewed with brewed wacky beers with different breweries across the United States, including my in my home state. They brewed uh, a beer with Founders Brewing Company out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. They are, uh, this beer is going to be called Subwoofer, Brewdog Subwoofer, obviously woofer, get it, the, the uh, ploy on the dog barking, but uh, it's just for dogs, so you can enjoy a beer with your dog, and your dog can actually drink it and not be ripped and drunk, because you know, he's he's always going to be the designated driver anyways when you're you're at the pub drinking with your dog. What else on the agenda? Real quick, those of you, I know this has been a real problem for myself and a lot of people that I know that have uh, go out on the, uh, you know, take take family trips down to Disneyland in Orlando. But, you know, Florida's not a huge beer state. They've got some good beer breweries down there. One of the couple of the ones that I know the, that are kind of big is Grasslands Brewing Company and is also the biggest one is Cigar City Brewing Company out of Tampa. And uh, when you're down in Orlando, there's a lot of people that want to have a few beers. And what do they do when they want to drink beer? They go to do the World of Beer like tour on in Epcot Center where they sit around and drink Corona, Heineken. And when they hit Japan, they drink Sapporo. I mean, it's just stupid. So the next time you're in, you're with your family in Orlando, Orlando now has a new beer garden downtown. Uh, it's by Orlando Brewing Company, and uh, it's a nice little beer garden. So don't just stick your ass in Disney. You know, Pull your family out of there and head over to downtown Orlando, and they've got a nice little beer garden over there that's open. It looks like just right now on Saturdays and Sundays from noon to 8. So it's not open very long, but that's okay. You just want to get a couple beers in you, take the edge off walking around Disney World with all those people taking pictures and stuff. So. I just wanted to mention that because that's something that's new that's come out on the news, and I know it's a problem when you go down to Orlando. So there's an article out here on themanual.com about the best maple syrup beers bringing you breakfast to your pint glass. Now, as soon as I saw this article, I thought, man, when I think maple syrup and beer, first beer I think of is Canadian Breakfast Stout, or CBS, by Founders Brewing Company out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Their article starts off, Following the run, runaway success of Founders Coffee Ford Breakfast Stout, brewers have developed innovative ways to bring the bold flavors and distinct ingredients of the morning meal into your pint glasses. I'm like, dude, this is going to be all about CBS or Founders and maybe some other beers too. But, you know, they talk about Roche beers having more bacon flavor notes. And there's even a beer um, out on the market that's called Biscuits and Gravy. And there's another, actually, another beer too that's, that's made with grits. Southern Grits. So kind of cool. They're, they got this whole buildup of breakfast-style beers. So I, I scroll down, and I'm like, all right, let me see what the rest of these beers are. So I will rattle them off, and then I'll bitch at the end. All right, the first beer that they're going to mention on this list is called Hop Cakes by Noda 
Brewing Company out of uh, North Carolina. North Kekalecki. Charlotte. North Kekalecki. This is a double IPA that is sweet, citrusy, and yes, boozy over 12% alcohol by volume. Dude, you're right off the bat. If you're going to put maple syrup, to me, my opinion, you put maple syrup in a beer, it shouldn't be a double IPA. It's just, I want to taste the caramel notes of that malt mixed in with the hop notes, and it needs to be well-balanced and thick, but it does not even have maple syrup. It would be an interesting concept, but I don't know if I'd put this on my list, but, you know, the can does have a big stack of pancakes with maple syrup hitting the top of it, so that's impressive. The next one is Funky Buddha Brewing Company Maple Bacon Coffee Porter. Obviously, Porter is a dark beer that I was referring to that needs to, you know, that dark base beer needs to grab a hold of that maple syrup. It balances it really well with those bitter roasted malt notes or brown toasted uh, malt notes. It's a good style, great, great sounding beer. It's got some coffee in it, it sounds like, too. Really, really good sounding beer. Don't know what it tastes like, never had it, but that looks good. Next one is Christmas Pancakes by Hardywood Park Craft Brewery. Hardywood is out of Richmond, Virginia, and I have had some of their beers donated to me by uh, an old craft beer friend. And their beers are legit. I have had their gingerbread stout, which is what this base beer is. They take that stout and ferment the beer a second time on maple syrup. Uh, it's an, available in bottles Chris, and uh, Christmas pancakes as another exciting gingerbread stout variant um, for their lineup because they have a ton of gingerbread stout lineups. And this is cool because on the on the label of the beer, it's got a big stack of pancakes and this big human-like gingerbread man has got a fork and knife and he's getting ready to chow down on the pancakes. So Next up is Lawson's Finest Liquids. That's a strange brewery name. They have a faced in maple imperial stout. That they, they boast two gallons of Vermont maple syrup per barrel. This cellar aged beer from Lawson's combines maple, coffee, and dark chocolate flavors into a complex beer that is surprisingly easy to drink. It's perfect beer for pairing with robust holiday stout malt, malt meals. That's a that's a great. There you go. You got a stout again. Another good base beer. I mean, here we got. We're on a roll. Brown. I'm sorry, Porter, Stout, Stout. Screw that double IPA at the beginning. I never heard of Lawson's Finest Liquids, but if you're in that area, that might be something you want to you grab a hold of. It looks like it's a 10.1% ABV beer, too. And the last beer on this list, and I'm going to say last beer because they have yet to mention it, but I'm going to mention it here, Toplian Goliath Morning Delight. They left out the beer I was thinking of when I read the title of this on my newsfeed. Where is Founders Canadian Breakfast Stout? Why do they not have this in here? Canadian Breakfast Stout was probably one of the first ones to use maple uh, in their in their beers. Canadian Breakfast Stout is actually brewed. It's their KBS, Kentucky Breakfast Stout, that is turned around and put in bourbon barrels that have already aged maple syrup. So they get a maple syrup bourbon flavor off of that. That beer is damn good. It just came out actually recently. It's kind of all over the state right now. You can pretty much find it in any store here in the state of Michigan. But I digress. I'm going to go over to this and talk about this top, the last one on the list, which is the Toppling Goliath Brewery Morning Delight. It is an exclusive club of beers that require their own ticketed release day. So kind of like a uh, Cigar City Huma Loompa. Huma, Huma Oompa. Sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Or CBS. 
when you want to go to their proprietor day for all the proprietor variants. Morning Delight is a hype worthy is is as hype worthy as they come. Folks trek around from around the country to Tilap and Goliath's Decora Iowa Brewery for the opportunity to buy a strict allotment of only two bottles. Or it could be like uh, Dark Lord at Three Floyds in Indiana as well. The beer's world-class rating at Beer Advocate leads one to believe it may be worth the effort. So that's another good one. Morning Delight. Wax topped. Gold wax topped at that matter. So I'm kind of bummed that this guy started off talking about maple syrup. He talked about breakfast stout, but he never once put on his list CBS. And I don't know if he just doesn't get it or what, because obviously breakfast stout is a little bit more distributed than CBS. But uh, bummer, bummer this uh, this author, Lee Heidel on themanual.com missed the most obvious and almost the OG original gangster maple syrup beer of them all. All right, finally, I alluded to this in the beginning of the show, how sensitive the owner, the starter of Bell's Brewing Company is, how sensitive he is, and how much of a douchebag he is, and why do I say that? Anybody that knows me, Mr. Liquid Bread, knows that I do not have a very good opinion of Bell's Brewery in general. Yes, they make some good beers, some really great epic beers, they also make some really shitty beers that some people don't even get to taste because they don't ever get to visit their eccentric cafe or their their bar. There's been a lot of history with Bells with other breweries and douchebag type incidences. I think the douchebaggery was uh, set in stone early on in 1988 when Solson was released by Bells and they had to rename it because another brewery in Mexico, uh, Cerversia, I won't even pronounce it, I, can't, I, don't, I cannot pronounce it, made El Sol. Uh, so they had to change the name to Oberon. And ever since then, it's become, fuck you, fuck the world. I'm, I'm pissed off because I got poked at. I'm going to fuck everybody else now. And it extended to places like Northern Brewer and the issues they had with that. So... Where I'm leading with this is that here in the state of Michigan, where Bells is located, we've had some some issues, and specifically with water quality issues. Uh, Michigan Michigan prides itself as having very clean and uh, ample water for brewing beer. Uh, one of the prides of most brewers in Michigan is that the water table here is great for brewing beer and provides a great base to brew beer on. It, 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 those of you that homebrew understand that beer uh, water quality and water pH and water mineral levels are the core root of a good beer, beyond that of a good recipe and beer process. Yet we have problems with water all the time. Uh, Grand Rapids is right now where Founders is located, is having some issues with uh, PFAs. If you're familiar with that, look it up. If you're not or if you're not familiar with it, look it up. PFAs in groundwater. And then on top of that, obviously nationwide, people have heard about the Flint water crisis. Now, that is not groundwater. That's more municipal water. But nonetheless, it's municipal water that some breweries would maybe be relying on in the Flint area. And all that has happened... Uh, there's been families that have been hurt by this. There's uh, 
PFA, the PFA issues, uh, been linked to certain types of cancer and, and child, you know, issues with child development. Yet, I have not seen the original gangster of beer brewing in Michigan, Mr. Larry Bell, do anything in, in support of any of these water crisis issues in Michigan to try to help support the families, the people, or the breweries in these areas. But, so there's your douchebaggery, but I feel like he's using the press to accentuate or to help broaden the Bell's name by jumping on the resilience bandwagon that Sierra Nevada has put forth and to help support the wildfires in California. Now, I have no issues with any brewery helping out the wild people and Sierra Nevada, for that matter, in the state of California over these wildfires. They were devastating. My point is, being a homer in the state of Michigan with Bell's is... Why pick just this cause as the thing you're going to help back up with a beer, specialty beer that you're going to brew called Resilience IPA, when you've never done anything like that for the, your own home state that you reside in? Um, he is a Chicago transplant into the state of Michigan, which we like to call, some people call FIPS. Some people call fibs, fucking Illinois people, fucking Illinois bastards. Um, I have a good friend that's in Illinois, uh, grew up in Illinois, and moved here to Michigan, and I like him a lot. He's a great friend, probably one of my best friends that I've got right now. But when you become a douchebag, you become a fib. You become a fib, and this is a douchebag move to me. Not that he's supporting them, but that he's never looked an eye at the state that he's in. You know, wanting to make a Chicago Cubs bar in a Michigan town, it just just doesn't seem like he's his heart is in the state that he lives in, that he brews beer in, that he started in with his little homebrew store. I don't know. I just I just don't think that he really is putting a lot of heart into Michigan and going on the bandwagon for the nation by doing uh, this resilience IPA with California. Now, he can do that. That's fine. But show a little support for your own state and help those families out that are uh, having problems with the water, the same water that your fellow brewers in the state of Michigan are using possibly to try to filter out and brew a great beer and become a great beer state. That's all I'm saying. Get on the bandwagon and ride it. Get that Bell's name out there so everybody's buying more Bell's. Because you know you're not the biggest brewery in, in Michigan anymore. There's, little, there's a little brewery north of you, about an hour north of you, that's pretty big and starts with an F. So, just saying. Anyways, this is the inaugural episode of Alpha Acid Radio, and I will close up shop here for this evening. So, I hope you enjoyed the first show. It will get better as we go here, folks. I do plan to have guests, and hopefully we'll have weeks of uh, better news. So, subscribe in there if you've got anything again to say. Please, you can always get a hold of me at Mr. Liquid Bread on Twitter. And you can always email me at beer at MrLiquidBread.com. Until next week or the next couple weeks, whenever the ne we get enough news to go live again, you're listening to Alpha Acid Radio with Mr. Liquid Bread. See ya.